and intro music. muted my mic. Oh, wait. Hello. Can you hear me now? Everything went wrong at the wrong time. I have lost, I have lost Jesse Kiefer anyway. I muted again. Ah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, my bad. When I was playing the intro song, I muted, I, I turned my mic off and then forgot to turn it back on. And then you were talking, thinking you were muted. Oh, man. What a start. <laughs> that's, that's live. <laughs> that is live. I don't, think, I don't think people would believe it was live if we didn't have that stuff in there. Yeah, that, so we're doing it for them. Yes, it's authentic. Yeah. Okay, um, this is Saturday Morning Dubcast, episode number five. It's live if you can't tell. I'm Randy, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Jesse Keeper. How is it going today? It's going well, sir. It's a beautiful day. It is. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, I've been waiting to have you on the show for a long time. For one, because we talk about we talk about my more geekier interests online all the time. Mm-hmm. And today, I think we're going to focus on one specifically, since I have you here. Um, <laughs> it's not just me trying to uh, shoehorn it in on people that don't even watch the show. But <laughs> we're right. talk about Doctor Who today. Yes. Uh, about time. Um, yes. Um, I suppose, uh, well, you were talking a little bit about, I guess, kind of intros on uh on ourselves on um our doctor who fandom how long have you like when did you start watching doctor who okay um it's yeah that's tricky because uh i watched it when i was little but i was so little that it's one of those things where you remember doctor who but you remember it kind of sporadically just like you'd remember some of your earliest uh you know, uh, cartoon memories, you know, like you remember watching, I remember watching the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon growing up, but, uh, you know, like it's spotty because I was pretty little. I just remembered it was awesome. Um, Doctor Who is kind of similar. Um, I, I watched it in the Tom Baker era was, so he was my doctor and, uh, like my, my main memory about Doctor Who from that time was the Keeper of Trocken, which is actually one of the later episodes. You know, like that's pretty pretty close to when uh, Tom Baker regenerates is is right around that era. But I remember the uh, the statue in the Keeper of Trocken in particular uh, because it had these like creepy red eyes, and then you you find out that it's not you know the statue isn't what it seems. 
try not to give out too many spoilers for a show that's over 30 years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure, no, but, you know, I I am currently, like, working through it. So, yeah, it is totally possible to spoil a 30-year-old show for me. (laughs) I I really don't want to spoil it for you either because that is, uh, it's to to this day, one of my favorite episodes. Uh, That's actually one of the first I sought out because it's like I remember this particular image in my brain. So, uh, you know, I, I watched primarily during the Tom Baker era, for sure. Um, you know, it was on PBS, so PBS wasn't real, like, they weren't real linear in the way that they would broadcast things at that time. So you'd watch uh, a Doctor Who, and then the next, there'd be another Doctor Who, like, right after that, but it would be a different Doctor. And so for, you know, my brain, maybe uh, eight years old, I'm like, what's going on with this? Uh it's the doctor, but it's not the doctor, you know. So they'd show a Tom Baker, and then they'd show a John Pertwee, which was the third doctor, and then they'd show a Peter Davison. Uh, but my doctors growing up were – I was pretty interested in it uh, from the Tom Baker era into the Peter Davison era into Colin Baker was kind of my last doctor. And, and I really – Thought I was going to like Colin Baker at that time because he had the really wild coat, and that was kind of my personality was that bright, colorful, wild, you know, kind of thing. And then he was just kind of like they they wrote the character really acerbic, and and I was like, I don't know if I like him. This doctor's kind of a jerk. So that was kind of my uh, my Doctor Who upbringing, and then uh, I just kind of let it go by the wayside. Uh, for years and years and years. And then I think it was while the sixth, I think it was the sixth modern season was filming, um, one of my buddies was like, you really should get back into Doctor Who. Uh, It's getting really good. And uh, I'd always kind of wanted my wife to get into it. And uh, so he had uh, recommended The Doctor's Wife, which was written by Neil Gaiman. And... uh, so I, we had uh, we had Holly watch that, and then it was like, oh, we got to go back to the beginning of the modern season and get caught up. So no, no, nice, yeah, that's a good good way to intro somebody. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an excellent. That's an excellent episode, episode too. too. Yeah, because yeah, you can really get I to agree. explore. Like you get to explore the inside of the TARDIS, and yeah, that that just really has kind of a classic feel to it too. Jumping, jumping slightly. Um, how did you feel about? I suppose we'll kind of jump around a little bit, but how did you feel about um, Nightmare and Silver? Speaking you know, oh man, that was. You know, I, I guess maybe I hyped it too much in my own mind, but I was surprisingly disappointed in it. I guess um, yeah, I, I liked too. it. I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as you know. I didn't like it as much as The Doctor's Wife. And there were things I really liked about it. Like, I like how they kind of upgraded the Cybermen. I like how they were they were kind of silent, and they just kind of stalked. And then they had, like, um, they were super, you know, super speed and that kind of stuff. So, in a sense, they added some creepy elements to it. And then... It felt like some of it, though, was very cartoony. And then to turn, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much to say without verging on spoilerism, but, like, 
they they started turning people into the Borg, and I felt like that's a little too, I don't know, a little too much like the Borg, the way that they were sort of kind of cyber-converting people. I found when I watched it, and I was the same. I think I was the same situation. I had hyped it up uh, pretty high in my head because, based on the Doctor's wife, and then you know, of course, it's because it's Neil Gaiman. Um, so I was, I was too, uh, a little disappointed. But I found while watching it, it felt like there was stuff missing, like it felt like it was too condensed. Um, and then later found out, and I'm not sure where I read it or heard this, but. Um, Apparently that was kind of the case where it was one of those things where there was he, there was just too much content to fit into the time slot, and then also there were a lot of rewrites. And I've heard um, I've heard uh, is it Gaiman or Gaiman? Oh, Do you know the correct no, I don't know. pronunciation? I, I've always said Neil Gaiman, so I don't Gaiman. know. Gaiman. Okay, well, we'll we'll, we'll stick right. with that because that yeah that sounds right to me anyway. Um, but I've read I read something that he said um, regarding it. Apparently, there were a lot of rewrites, and when he initially wrote it, and this is one of my biggest gripes with the episode before. Like I liked the episode before, but it had that little tag on, like the kids found out that Clara oh, yeah. is this time traveler and whatever, which is kind of okay. I hate to like jump into criticizing right away. <laughs> there will be a lot of there, there will be a lot of Doctor Love, but um yes. Apparently, anyway, the reason they shoehorned the kids in there um, was because initially when Gaiman wrote, wrote uh, Nightmare in Silver, they had Clara was going to be the character, her ver- the version of her character from um, the Christmas special. Oh. It, yeah, um, in, what is that, Victorian times? And, um, yeah. So then the kids would have carried over from then. So they, after they changed her character, they kind of fig- had to figure out how to get the new kids in there. So that felt shoehorned, but I guess apparently there were just... He had to do a lot of rewrites um, just to make everything cohesive and fit, and I think that kind of aided in just a little bit the sloppiness of how it felt. It just, like I said, it felt to me like there was stuff missing. And, like, you'd get hit with stuff out of nowhere, like towards the end, um, Warwick Davis uh, (laughs) basically proposing to Clara seemed really out of place. I was like, well, where does this coming from? There seemed to be like no build up to it. So it, yeah, they had a, a few stuff. few conversations and now I'm asking you to be uh, my bride. It's kind <laughs> of interesting. It's kind of interesting the way, cause the way I've been watching it, um, I never caught any, not that I re- recollect. I never caught any old doctor who while I was, when I was younger, Mm-hmm. Like everybody says, you know, they they watched it on PBS. That's where they ran it here in America. But um, I I don't recall ever catching it. So I didn't get into it till pretty late when it was on Netflix. Right. <laughs> and uh, my girlfriend's friend got her into it, and then she finally got me into it, which uh, may or may not have been a mistake on her behalf because then you know <laughs> I went wild with it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Of course. Uh. So we blew through all the new se- up to season six. So I didn't get into it till way late. Up to season six on Netflix, and that's when I started going back and started at the very beginning and have been going th- through all the classic series, which was rough at times. Um, yeah. Once you get through, let's, let's go ahead. 
Oh, that yeah, those first couple of, uh, especially the first Doctor is kind of a bear cat is for the modern viewer, I think. You know, like once you're immersed in it and you realize this is the way that uh, television works and this is the way that uh, – this doctor is, then you can kind of immerse yourself in the first doctor. But when you go from the modern series straight back to that black and white and you see who he was versus who the newer doctors are, it's, it's jarring. I, I tried that out on my nephew. We had our nephew over and he wanted to do a doctor who marathon. So he was asking about the other doctors cause he's pretty much, um, a Matt Smith, uh, you know, that's his doctor. And, uh, so he wanted to know about the other doctors and he's like, well, what about the first doctor? And I was like, Oh, I don't know if he's going to like this. <laughs> so we, we jumped him back to the Aztecs and, and, you know, as far as that goes, the Aztecs isn't like a super boring one, but it's just not what we're used to now. No, no, not at all. A lot of people like the Aztecs and that actually I do have to say is one of the ones that felt particularly slow but oh, that was yeah. one of the things getting used to the like the historical episodes really was was um that was jarring but it's kind of interesting too mm-hmm. but yeah going back to the first doctor is definitely a shock because he's like the doctor doesn't didn't really seem to come into like what we know as the modern doctor till about the second one yeah um but uh but once you get through the, like, if you can get through the reconstructions, mm-hmm. and that's another thing, like, going through the reconstructions, apparently that's where, that's what loses, like, the, a lot of the fans that go back and try to do the whole run. Um, oh. It's usually the reconstructions that lose them. I know a couple of them. Um, but once you get through that, uh, like, as soon as I hit the second Doctor stuff, I enjoyed a lot. Mm-hmm. The third doctor, um, the third doctor stuff could get a little tedious, but I, I was enjoying the change in tone. It was, uh, he's he's the kung fu doctor. Like it was just ridiculousness. Yes, yes, he's like the James Bond of the doctors. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Um, oh man, and one of the last episodes of his where almost the whole episode is he's flying on this little like one person helicopter. This is just the whole episode is like a chase scene, and yes. then he's on a hovercraft and he's on a speedboat. Like it, after a while, you're like, "Oh, come on, get on with it." But at the same time, it's pretty entertaining because like he's this is just to like make him happy. You could tell. Oh, oh, absolutely. They catered to John Pertwee uh, like immensely. Um, yeah, going back to the first Doctor, you, you mentioned the uh, the history episodes. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of this is true, but I've heard that originally kind of the show premise was it was going to be a time travel thing, but they were going to try and also uh, kind of make it fairly scientific and fairly like history based so that it would be semi educational. And uh, they kind of ditched that when they realized that the alien stuff was going to be way more popular anyways. I mean, I think Terry Nation's The Daleks, they had to throw that plan out the window pretty quickly when uh, the Daleks just exploded. Uh, you know, and yeah. then, like, what was it, um, Patrick Troughton, when he took the helm, it was kind of this, well, how are we going to make this work? Everybody loves Hartnell, you know? And so he had to kind of become his own doctor, uh, and then you then you get Pertwee, which was kind of the golden age. Like everybody was really into who, 
at that time. And, uh, Pertwee, they were like, yeah, just whatever you want to do. So you'll notice that when Pertwee does stuff, there is, there's always like, um, on Planet of the Daleks, there's like these three wheelers. Uh, there's a, you know, there's the hovercraft that shows up in the Sea Devils and, um, you've got helicopter, you know, like there's always some kind of machine because he was, you know, he was kind of a car guy. He was kind of a motorcycle guy. If he could be on a motorcycle or if he could be driving Bessie, he was excited. So there were, and there were a couple like, um, what amounted to some scary looking stunts as well on those vehicles. <laughs> there were times, there were times when I was like, oh man, like that could have so totally went bad. Like he would haul around on Oh yeah. Cars. Did you notice he's one of the only doctors that has a tattoo that's visible in the series? I did not notice. I think it's in, um, I think it's in Doctor Who. It's either Doctor Who and the Silur. No, it's Doctor Who and the Sea Devils again. Uh, at some point he, uh, He's down to his T-shirt, and he's got a, uh, a tattoo either on his left or his right um, arm, kind of in the traditional tattoo spot. <coughs> it might be a military I tattoo. That. I think he might have done some military. I could be wrong about that. I could um, be making stuff up about the doctor. That's dangerous. <laughs> that is. <laughs> all, yeah. of Who, all of the Whovian universe will come down on me for this. Uh, oh, and if you're wrong, they will. They are brutal. <laughs> so I'll just say yeah, that I'm not an authority. Not... I just like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, same same here. Um, that's one thing. Like, I got into Doctor Who, so then, of course, you know, it kind of hits that point where it's like, oh, more, more, more information. And then you mm-hmm. jump online, and then you see, like, the, the fandom online for Doctor Who – the Whovian universe is oh, it's so pretty big. it's pretty insane it is and like then you of course with that you get a lot of strange bickering about things that i oh, was yeah. not expecting you know you get that in any uh, kinda... yeah fandom is like that. i mean like you'll see that with the batman fans too yes. like we did a, we had that conversation about the robins <laughs> And you, oh, yeah, you had yeah. a lot of different uh, takes on on who's the best Robin. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? So yeah. Anyway, so I'm on. Currently, I'm working through the classic series. I'm on the fourth Doctor. Um, the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know you, were waiting. you were excited when I said I was coming up to it. Um, I watched. We watched some Doctor last night. Uh, which one was it? I have my little cheat sheet here. Which the list of Doctor Who serials on Wikipedia? I yes. love that page. I'm. I go there all the time. Um, well, I suppose that's like your here. checklist now. It really, yeah, exactly. It really is. And at first, the first uh, couple Doctors, and I found since I've hit the fourth Doctor. And you and I don't remember who somebody pointed out the production changed. It's just the, the kind of the tone of the show changed. Mm-hmm. I found I haven't been like peeking ahead for spoilers at all. I've just been letting it go. But towards the beginning, I would use it to kind of be like, well, I enjoy you know the first Doctor. I'm like I'm enjoying the first Doctor, but when do we get to the next Doctor? So I kind of peek ahead and cheat a little bit. But oh, since yeah. we've hit um, since we've hit the fourth Doctor, I haven't like I don't want to know. I don't want to know spoilers. Uh-huh. Um, 
let's see, we just watched, I think we just finished The Robots of Death. Okay, I I haven't seen that one. Uh, I haven't, you know, like, gone back to that one, so that one's, but that's a classic, so I'm sure that one was good. Let's see, the season, they have it listed as season 14, 1976 to 77. Before that was The Face of Evil. Do you remember that one? Uh, that now, is the, that, that's the first one with, uh, is, well, is that the first one with, uh, yes, okay. I know which yep, one that yep. is, but I, I'm not, yeah, like, I can't remember it real well. <laughs> but I now do I remember Leela. It's hard to forget Leela. <laughs> I was surprised because, and I guess I'm, I'm not going to peek forward to find out, but I was surprised when um, Sarah Jane left. Yeah. It was um, – now, I only assume that she's coming back because I know she she was one of the companions that have traveled with the most doctors, I believe. Yes. And well, then, and she's experienced the most doctors. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I know later in the new series she pops up with K-9, which I haven't even got to K-9 yet. Oh, I love um, K-9. So I'm assuming she's coming back at some point in time. But I was really so I was really surprised that she left. But I liked how Leela, like the way they treated her joining, uh, basically becoming a companion. Like I kind of suspected through the face of evil storyline because just she was had kind of a rapport with the Doctor, and then she was along with him the whole time. But at the end, it wasn't like a you know he was like, well, do you want to travel with me? Blah blah blah. She. She basically like asked, and he's like, "Well, why would you want to? Why would I take you with me?" And then she just runs into the TARDIS, without like permission. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. They never really do anything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he always offers. That's right. Yeah, usually, and she like tried to uh, invite herself in, and then finally was just like, "Well, forget you. I'm just gonna go." Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like that about her. She was very take charge as a companion. She was almost yeah, um, almost like Donna Noble. I mean, that's not the best comparison, but that's probably the best modern comparison. It's like, no, I found you, so I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's definitely striking me so far as kind of unique in, in like, in the um, companions. And it's also another thing I like about her is also, and it kind of relates to Jamie, and I know Jamie was one of your favorite companions, mm-hmm. and I have to agree, Jamie was fantastic. Jamie and the second yes. Doctor, that was they were a great pairing. Their rapport was I, classic. I knew in the whole time, like, as I got into it, and I was like, oh, Jamie is awesome, and I knew, I'm glad he stuck around as long as he did, but I knew eventually, of course, he was going to have to leave, and I was dreading it because I liked him a lot. Yeah. But Leela ties into something interesting that I kind of wish they would do now is, now she's not necessarily from the past, but she's from a, like, you would say more primitive um, society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's something I liked about Jamie. It's interesting when the doctor will pick up somebody like that um, who's really in a society, from a soci- society without science and yeah. um, or advanced science and travels with them. I just like uh, the dynamic that adds. Well, yeah, like with Jamie, every time that uh, something would happen uh, that would need explaining, it would be super easy. It made total sense because Jamie wouldn't 
understand it because not only is he from the past, you're like he's he's from the past. So anytime they go to the future or even the present, it's going to be alien to him. When they go to an alien world, obviously that's going to be alien to him. So it was a really nice dynamic for well, what's this? Well, what's that? Okay, so the companion serves the role that he's meant to. I think that uh, Jamie, in my mind, is probably the best male companion that uh, the Doctor's ever had. I mean, as far as, like, companions go, you usually get uh, a female companion for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, as far as rapport goes, that, that bouncing off of each other that Patrick Troughton and, uh, is it, what's his name, Hines? Uh, well, Jamie, Jamie and the do- second Doctor, they've just got this this classic back and forth. Um, you mentioned yeah. that the fourth doctor, like it, how it changes. Uh, when the third doctor hit, they, for whatever reason, they were really trying to kind of draw things out. So you've got a lot of, um, was it six parters? Is there some, yeah. there might even be some eight parters in the third doctor's run. And I think once they got back to, you know, like once they changed hands, they went back to that, you know, like two to four part run. And I think that really helped things. I love, I love some of the third doctor stories, but even one of my favorites, uh, Inferno, boy, that starts to drag because it's just, it's eight parts. Like, well, we could do this in four, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Inferno is fantastic, but I totally agree. They do, like, just, it's not even a science. They just pull everything and drag it so far out. Yeah. Um, that's a little bit what makes some of the really early episodes a little tough to get through, too. Um, and I understand, you know, that's kind of essentially, well, the pacing the pacing of television would have been a little bit different back then, but it's also kind of essentially getting more content out of, you know, one yeah. storyline. Well, yeah, I understand and why they did it. It's, it's big, and so uh, you want to kind of squeeze, you know, as many episodes as you can before you have to, you know, change up the set work and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I totally lost track of... But, yeah, so the fourth Doctor, is that's what I'm up to now. Um, the changeover... The ch- okay, there was the change... Like, as for noticeable big changeovers, and I'm sure I haven't been... I'm not the best, and I actually probably should be at paying attention to the directors and... Uh, um, I guess the showrunners you'd call it, but um, the production teams in the credits and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely noticeable changeovers. Um, now, the tone was a little bit different in from the first to the second Doctor, which I enjoyed because that's when the Doctor really kind of becomes... And it, and it seems like a lot of... Um, like Matt Smith, for instance, I know, modeled his Doctor off the second Doctor quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the business with the hands and stuff like that. But that's when the Doctor, for me, as a mo- as somebody who came in on the modern series, really, like, begins to approach uh, what, you know, we know as the modern Doctor today, where he's, <laughs> he'll get into situations and he's looking to kind of, you know, save the day or find out what's going on and and then just kind of that added awkwardness and, and goofiness. When his classic line uh, was... There was a site that put out all the catch, the quote unquote catchphrases. Um, 
and <laughs> they put down run for the second doctor's catchphrase, even though he's got, you know, some other classic lines. They put down run as his catchphrase. And I, I suppose that's, you know, that really ties into the modern series too, because, you know, the awfully lot of running. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, and he had that. He really played it up during the run, too, during when he would run the second yeah. doctor. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I enjoyed his stuff a lot. I really, it bums me out that, like, so many of his episodes are the reconstructions that some yeah. of them lost. And um, I'm hoping, you know, they're going to re-release, a, uh, it's a Hartnell, and maybe it's already out, but they were going to re-release a Hartnell reconstruction where they had all the audio and they were, um, they basically animated it like an anime style. They really spent the time and you know, like animated the whole thing. And that's either out or it's supposed to be coming out soon. And so I'd like to see them do a little bit more of that with the constructions because it's like it's it's hard to watch something if it's just a still frame uh, accompanied by audio that's probably in a state of disrepair as well. Yeah, and yeah, I really wish. Like, ideally, if they couldn't find the episodes, I really wish they'd just do that for all of them. But um, I understand it's like a matter of the cost versus, you know, how well it would actually sell, if it'd be worth it for them. Sure. But, and this is probably okay. kind of an experiment to see if it goes over. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? not sure how detailed of a trip I want to take through the classic series. I was going to say the switch over to the third talk doctor period with, Oh, do you want to talk about the master? Cause I know you enjoyed. I love uh, the master. Um, yeah, boy, I don't, I don't know where, to, I don't even know where to start, but well, I, I would start at the beginning. The, the terror of the autons is uh, the first time that we get to see Roger Delgado as the master. And he's just kind of the classic master. Um, I've loved, pretty much every incarnation of the master, but I really wish that they would bring back the master like that master with the Roger Delgado kind of, he just had this ridiculous charm. Like the doctor, uh, John Pertwee's doctor, you're like, as much as you grow to love him, he's kind of just in your face and he's constantly telling people that they're stupid, essentially. Oh yeah. He's very rude and like arrogant. Yeah, arrogant. And yet it's, it, but it's hilarious. It's like uh, it's you want to see yeah. him burn someone. You're just like, yeah, burn him. <laughs> it almost gets. I almost feel bad for Joe at some point because eventually, like, she'll get to the point where she's like, I know I'm stupid, but and then this and that. Like, she yeah. just accepts that. That's he. She knows he's gonna hit it, hit, hit her with that. Um, Anyway, what were you saying? When, when you know, Joe, like, I almost feel like her uh, parting from the show was tragic in the sense, it was like, she gets married, and uh, it's it's great and all, but they're both like, you're stupid. Like, the entire, the entire <laughs> yeah. run of the new death, of the, yeah, the green death, or, yeah. It's, oh, <laughs> she spills, she spills the stuff on the guy's samples, which, of course, ends up being creating the solution they need for that story arc but um right uh but the guy yeah he really just goes off on her <laughs> yeah and then she's like oh yes i love you 
<laughs> so yeah. I was I was expecting something completely different. I mean, I suppose that may be typical of what you do with a female character in that era. But I was expecting that she's going to realize that traveling with the doctor is better, and she was. But I didn't realize that was her last episode when I rewatched it. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I okay the. The only master, of course, when I come up to this, I'd known the modern master. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like, what was his name? I'm terrible. John, is it John Sims, the new guy? Oh, what about the uh, the old guy? Oh, Roger Delgado. Delgado. I really like, I like his portrayal a lot. And because it's like classic, classic villain for one. He's got that look. The classic yes. villain look. He's got the black gloves, the uh, the goatee with the white stripes in it. Yes. Um, that was fantastic. And yeah, I liked his performance because he would. Um, <clears throat> you like him? He's he, smooth. Exactly. He'd be okay. And there's really one thing I've found I've been enjoying more than I expected during the whole first series is like little snippets of interesting like bits of acting. Like because he'll be kind of you know he is smooth. But he'll be the bad guy. He'll be the villain, kind of evil. And then once in a while, this very, like, very humane, like, just softness will, like, peek through. He'll, like, one minute he'll be, he'll, he usually has some type of, like, um, somebody to do his bidding, basically. Oh, yeah. And he'll be berating them. And then and then once in a while he'll just hit him like, the, with this, I wish I could think of a good example. But he had, there was definitely humanity that would peek through in the acting once in a while that, really like made me enjoy his performances when i think that that performance of the master has informed any other you know performance of the master since uh eric roberts notwithstanding sure oh man i haven't i haven't haven't even approached that yet (laughs) no no that so talking about the master and and i don't want to give out too many spoilers but he you know uh, Roger Delgado was involved in an accident where, uh, you know, that's why he, he, you know, he didn't have the choice to give up the role. It, uh, you know, he was taken. Um, and uh, so then you had to find new, he had to find a way to bring back the master. And, uh, so one of the ideas was that he's this time Lord that cheats all the time, which is interesting because that makes him very, very similar to the doctor in that the doctor tends to lie and he tends to work around things an awful lot, but the master had burned through all of his regenerations and he had developed ways to steal more regenerations or to steal bodies. And so the master has died so many times and yet he just keeps coming back from an actual death because he always has a contingency plan. He's kind of the Moriarty and that's, that's how, um, is it Terrence Dix actually, uh, described him was as the Moriarty. They kind of wanted a foil to the doctor, especially when he was trapped on earth. Um, you know, it kind of gave him a way to continue to keep it grounded, uh, and yet involve the Time Lords in a in a way. And so, yeah, I uh, just oh, oh you, you, so you, you go through different incarnations where he's like all decrepit, and I think have you gotten to the Deadly Assassin yet? Yeah, I was about to say I just watched that. That was like um, it's it's so hard to know how to reference these because like a storyline is multiple episodes, but that was like two storylines ago. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah, the, the Deadly Assassins. I just watched uh, Deadly Assassin um, this week. This week I watched it, actually, yeah. Now, and and you, I was wondering. I was, I was wondering because it was obviously it wasn't Delgado. It was pretty much a guy in a mask the whole time. Yeah, I think it was Jeffrey Beavers, I think. And he's got a great voice, and that's basically what they play off of. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that you know he's he's pretty decrepit in that version. I think that's the first time you see the master uh, since the third Doctor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, one thing, one thing about the master during the third Doctor that was kind of amusing, and um, I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of these with my girlfriend. Uh, I started, I, I started at the beginning uh, by myself and got through all the reconstructions and stuff, and then she started watching. Uh, towards the end of the second Doctor, uh-huh. and since and since then she's been watching, <clears throat> so it's interesting to get her uh, input on it too. But um, <laughs> one thing that I think frustrated her was during the third Doctor how often the Master popped up, and it would just seem so yeah. unlikely that out of nowhere, like, oh, it's the Master, of course, who else <laughs> it's would the, it be? It's the Master again, yeah. It, it kind of becomes a running joke until eventually it stops being the master, which I'm guessing, as you said, um, uh, yeah, just kind of abruptly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe he was in a either car accident or a motorcycle accident of some sort, and then uh-huh. yeah, they didn't really have a good way to write him out of it. I don't think. Yeah, I think it was um, the Sea Devils. I th- it's it's funny because they'd have these really interesting monsters or creatures or whatever that they would introduce, and then boom, the master. Let's tack that on there would, too. <laughs> exactly, it would always come down to the master would be involved in some way, especially the Sea Devils because that almost felt like totally he was totally shoehorned in there. Like he really had nothing <laughs> to do with the main the main monsters of this story arc, but they had to throw them in there anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was usually, and then it, and then it kind of, that was one thing about the third doctor's run of things is the story. Like it was kind of repetitive in like the themes and the plot structures a little bit. Right. Um, but there was often the times where the master would be creating this problem and then the problem would get too big for him, and then him and the doctor would have to work to figure out how to fix the problem. And then they'd either capture him or he'd run off at the end. Either way, you're like, okay, yeah. well, he'll be back. But um, and, and if if there is a if there is a single criticism that's uh, you know levied against the master, that's probably it. Because you even look at the modern master, and that's what happens. There's a problem that is created, or the, the master gets involved and it becomes that much worse. And then the doctor and the master have to come together just like they always do and figure it out in some form. Even the last time we, we saw the master it was like, okay, he's involved, but in the end he's going to come around and help the doctor save the day somehow. Yep. Yep. Which, you know, which is fine and it's fun, but yeah, it is a little repetitive. Yeah. That's just kind of the nature of the nature of it. Um, now I don't remember. It might have been you or somebody on on Get Glue, one of my check ins, when I finally got to the fourth Doctor. And uh, my first impression was like, you know, oh, this he's interesting because I watched Robot, which is with um the old production team, uh huh, or the that was working with uh, the third Doctor, 
So that's kind of interesting. But it introduced the, the new doctor before switching to the new production team, which I wouldn't even noticed or wouldn't even wouldn't have known except somebody mentioned it. And with that in mind, like you can definitely tell the switchover. Oh, it gets so it's, obvious. Yeah. The tone the tone is different. The production you can tell is a lot different. But excellent. Excellent. I've been really enjoying it since since the fourth doctor's uh kicked in. The fourth doctor's a lot of fun. Uh and he's in uh, like I, I wouldn't worry about too many spoilers because there's like seven years of <laughs> there's seven years of him. So I'm mean, like when his when his regeneration hits, it's gonna be like oh okay <laughs> he's better really? he's had a good run. So yeah yeah um oh, what was I gonna say? There's been um I think I totally I totally lost where I was going with that. Um. Yeah, it's gone. Um, there's been there's been some like oh, I was gonna talk about the fourth doctor himself. Oh yeah, things that I found that I found interesting about him, and I had mentioned it to you, was a little bit he he's kind of manic, you know. Oh yes, oh big and time. I, I, and I man I mentioned that I always found the ninth doctor Eccleston was. Not as extreme, you know, at all. But he kind of had a little bit of that manic, like he'd look very morose, and yes. somebody'd say something to him, and he'd throw on that huge fake smile and be like, "Huh?" You know? Yeah. So he, the ninth doctor, he kind of reminds me of the ninth, or well, I guess appropriately, the ninth doctor kind of reminds me of the fourth doctor. But um, yeah, yeah, that's times. a great, that's a great com- comparison too. I hadn't even thought of it that way because they just hit us over the head with time war, time war, time war. That's why he's this way. And so I was like, oh yeah, time war. And then you mentioned that, and I was like, oh my god, he does that. He does the thousand mile stare, you know, all those classic things that the fourth Doctor would do. And then he just flashed that ridiculous grin. And I think that the ninth Doctor's probably got as good a ridiculous grin as we've seen since Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when watching through the Ninth Doctor the first time, not not have not having seen the classic series, that's what I assumed. And you know, I'm sure that that might be where he approached it from. Was it the Time War? He's got the the you know the soldiers thousand thousand what a thousand mile stare. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, that's definitely what it reminded me of. There's times, and I find the more I go into it, uh, the do- the Fourth Doctor is is um. I mean, he's likable anyway, but he's more likable. But at first, my thought was like, of all the doctors I've watched so far, I guess minus the the first doctor because he's he would just <laughs> traveling with the first doctor would be unusual. But the fourth doctor, I think, would make me the most uncomfortable because <laughs> yeah, like, I could see that he'll be he'll be super friendly, and then oh, what was his name? The first male companion with the fourth doctor. The do- he was a doctor. Oh, Harry Sullivan. He was from Unit. Yes, yes, exactly. There'd be times like he'd be super nice to Sarah Jane and smile and be like, "Hey," and then just look at Harry out of nowhere and just <laughs> give him the dirtiest look. And I'm like, it reminds me. Oh, it reminds me of hanging around with um, an alcoholic, one of those alcohol, real moody drunks. Where <laughs> They'll be super happy and bubbly one minute, but you never know when it can turn. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, traveling with him would make me very uncomfortable. But yeah, uh, well, you know, I think he didn't like uh, having a unit babysitter. 
but yeah, I mean, that, like, I think it's like Revenge of the Cybermen, which is maybe the second or third. I don't know how soon that one happens, but there's just that moment, and it seems almost, it seems almost laughable, almost out of left field completely, where he just, like, they slide down uh, a crev- into a crevasse or something, and he just declares super loud, like almost comedically loud, Harry Sullivan is an imbecile. And I'm like, what yeah, is yeah, I'm like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in a way that's one thing I miss about having about about him traveling with him is because I mean he'll still get those looks and those moments where it's like, whoa, you know, you can't really tell which way he's gonna go. But in general when it's just him, I found so far when it's just him and one of the companions, uh, one of the female companions, he's a little friendlier. Mm-hmm. But even then at times, um what did I say? I watched uh, The Robots of Death. And at one point, he's doing this, the, the kind of exposition thing where um, Leela's there, and he's kind of working on something, and she's doing the, well, well, what's this and what's that? you know. So he has a reason to explain it to the audience what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And she's not even really talking to them. She'll say something, and he'll ramble, 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 and she'll be like, well, and this, and she'll ask about that, and he'll ramble, ramble. And at one point... She hadn't even really said anything. He was just explaining for a long time, and he just stops, and he goes, would you stop talking so much? And it, the camera closes <laughs> up to her. And just that kind of thing, where it's like she wasn't even saying anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yes, I've been enjoying I've been enjoying that quite a bit. And it, it's definitely hit one of the, like, the first Doctor, of course, the first Doctor, there were many seasons, and they pumped out, like, 40, 44 episodes a season. So getting through that, eventually I was like, I was like, I don't want to be a jerk, but when is the next doctor? Like, let's, let's <laughs> yeah, on with yeah. This. When I felt that and way about point, uh, about Matt Smith for a little while, where I was like, okay, I really like what he's done, but I'm kind of ready for another doctor already. And and now I feel like a jerk saying that because it's like, oh, Matt Smith's done some classic stuff, especially now that. I mean, uh, and maybe that's by design. We're going to save some of his best stuff for the end. And, uh, like, yeah. so I, I've been kind of eagerly anticipating a 12th Doctor because it's like you get to a point where you feel like, well, I've seen what this Doctor can do. Let's let's see something new. <laughs> that that reminds me. We probably can might as well jump to the to the new stuff. Yeah, because we don't want. I don't want to. I was waiting. <laughs> I don't want to give you too many spoilers for the stuff that's to come. But I mean, there's there's stuff. Uh, you know, like Fourth Doctor is essentially my Doctor because he was my first experience. Is the one that I have the most experience with because he was around for so long. But every Doctor is so incredible. Even Colin Baker, who I said I didn't like. You know, like I kind of gave up on Doctor Who when Colin Baker hit the scene. Uh, since then, I've come back and I've watched, you know, like more of his run, and I understand his doctor a little bit better as an adult, and uh, I've I've really grown to like him. And I kind of, you know, like jumping to the new stuff. If if I had um, if I had my choice of who could be in the fiftieth episode, my list for people in in order of. Uh, like how badly I want them in the 50th would go um, the eighth doctor because we got him for one TV movie and multiple audio dramas, which aren't even considered canon that I'm aware of. And so we've only had him on screen once aside from 
quick flashes back to him. So I would love to see the eighth doctor in the 50th. Um, I'd love to see the sixth doctor in there because he is the only doctor that I'm aware of that was actually fired from the show. So I feel like he needs, you know, his comeuppance, I guess. And then the seventh doctor who basically had the show canceled out from under him. So if I could write three classic doctors into the 50th, it'd be those three in that order. Yeah. That's interesting because they got sure. Yeah. They got shorted really. I mean, yeah. Each, each one got shorted. Um, of course, everybody wanted Eccleston to come back, but him leaving the show seemed like it was, there was difficulties, but it was more on his, it was more his decision to leave. Yeah, I think so. It, it sounds like that. Because he's had, a, you know, he had that opportunity to come back and kind of passed on it, which just kind of lends credence to that. And that kind of bums me out because, I mean, I technically for me when I started watching, he was my first doctor. Sure. And I couldn't even really, I couldn't even really say who was my favorite. I guess at this point, I'm not really sure. Like, I enjoy, I enjoy all of them. Right. That I've watched so far. There's obviously there's several, and I'm intentionally in avoiding checking out other doctor stuff till I can like chronologically get there through the through the classic yeah. series. But um. But it bums me out that he seems to have such a negative um, view on his time uh, on the show. And he's definitely one of the ones that he doesn't embrace. Um, I imagine it can get annoying, but he, like the fandom, he doesn't yeah. react well when people ask him about it at all. So that's kind, kind of, of an interesting, he's kind of an interesting dude all around, you know, like he. He's really dedicated to the act of craft or the craft of acting, but you know, like he's not so interested in the stuff that goes along with it. He's not uh-huh. uh, really. He doesn't embrace that fame at all. Really, I, I think he just kind of wants to do the job, and then off-screen life is off-screen life, and on-screen life is on-screen life. He's talked very. Um, he's talked pretty positively about the role of the doctor. Like he likes. He likes his work that he's done on The Doctor, but he has no interest in returning to the well, so to speak, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I'm not one of these, you know, I'm not one of the the fans that are down on him for that. I think really what bums me out most about it is just, like, he played this role that people enjoy so much, and because of behind-the-scenes stuff and because of... um, the way I'm sure he feels about the fan scene, that it just um, bums me out that he probably doesn't have the best opinion, not necessarily of the work itself, but of everything that goes along with it. Anyway. Well, sure, it maybe has created a bias that, you know, it's like maybe you're passing up on a really good acting opportunity here just because you're worried about either typecasting yourself or jumping back into that pool. Yeah. Um. So, the new stuff. I suppose we could jump to the new season, the the latest season, I should say. Sure. And we'll go ahead and talk spoilers here. So if anybody, (laughs) and part of the part of the reason we've waited so long on this podcast is because uh, you just finally got through. I believe this Sunday or earlier this week, you got through. Yes, we uh, just watched the last three. Yeah. 
we kind of been waiting on them because we don't have access to BBC America. So uh, we have a friend that just left him on his tier. And uh, so he, he has been kind enough to just kind of sit on it as well. And uh, so we finally all got together and experienced it uh, together, which is awesome. Watching Doctor Who in a big group is, is awesome when it's all people who care about it. Um. So we will talk some spoilers here. So if you're one of the people that haven't got through uh, Series 7, um, we're going to spoil it. So keep that in mind. <laughs> we um, will ruin this for you. And speaking of spoilers, I am amazed. Maybe you don't, maybe, maybe you don't frequent like some of the, the sites I do and, and stuff, but even just on Twitter, I'm amazed. Did, had you totally avoided the, the John Hurt spoiler? Uh, no, I had, you know, they had kind of released who was going to be in the 50th episode. And so I knew, yeah. I knew he was going to be the doctor, but I like, there's been so much, uh, vagary. If that's actually a word, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 there's vagueness surrounding it. You know, like we don't know what doctor he is. Some people are implying that he's, uh, you know, the last. Some people are implying that he's 8.5 is the most recent thing I've heard. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know in what capacity he was the doctor. Uh, I assumed he's like an older version of one of them. I don't know. Um, when the episode aired, they had announced that John Hurt was going to be in the 50th. Mm-hmm. They didn't mention that he was going to be in the uh, excuse me, the series finale or obviously oh, yeah. his role in it. Sure. So, like, I knew he was coming up at some point, but the reveal, and I I guess some people have criticized it. For me, the reveal that, you know, John, even with the titles, and that's one thing that I guess people pulled some criticism on was, you know, uh, introducing John Hurt as the Doctor. I thought that was great. Like, that had me, that had me going. I was super excited. I don't know why there would be – well, I mean, I guess I can see a little criticism, but that's a classic nod, too. Uh, when when a Doctor regenerates, at least later on, you know, I don't know if they did that with the third to fourth, but I think it's the – I think it's the fifth to sixth. When he regenerates, boom, they shoot to the end credits and they put his face. You know how the face will jump out yeah. at you in the fourth Doctor run? And I think it, they started doing that – even in the second Doctor run. I don't, I don't know when they started doing the face, but that's what they would do. They'd have the regeneration, and then, boom, you cut to the face. Well, the the, the title, the, that credit right there, as the Doctor, is kind of like the modern face shot. So I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, that's great. See, I hadn't known, I didn't notice. I mean, yeah, they, they do the face in the intro credits, but they hadn't done, like, during the... From the third to the fourth, they hadn't done like the, the boom cut to credit with when he regenerates. So that's interesting, and it's also interesting that a lot of people are criticizing it. I'm sure they didn't pick up on that as a nod, right? But even so, I thought that was that was a fantastic reveal. I think season seven has been brilliant for nods. I mean, we've not only with uh, the return of some of these classic monsters like the Ice Warriors. But, I mean, they're just constantly throwing out nods. Like, I think it was the second to last episode where they, I think it was the Crimson Horror. They they just arrive in Victorian London and, uh, or it's not London. Well, wherever they wound up. Uh, they they get there and uh, 
and Clara's like, well, we're not where we're supposed to be. And he's like, oh, that happens. I once, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back there. Uh, I once carried around a, an Australian trying to get it, get to an airport for an awfully long time. And that's, that's a nod back to the fifth doctor. So, I mean, like series seven was for a classic who fan kind of just a joy because you'd constantly pick up on little things. You had, uh, the daughter of the brigadier you had um he's wearing those glasses which uh you know is kind of a throwback to a lot of you know it's kind of a throwback to peter davison a little bit because peter davison's doctor didn't need glasses but every once in a while he'd throw them on to look smart <laughs> <laughs> oh and tenant did that too oh yeah yeah did you see uh the tenant time crash sorry derailing a little bit the tenant time crash. There's a uh, was it children children in need special that oh, they do where no, they uh, I, I I have not but it's it goes in between I don't don't remember the episode titles but basically it technically would go between the episode where he, like the Titanic crashes through the side of a ship and stuff. Yes, yes, it, it, yeah. it fits in between tenant con- continuity and it fits in between uh, Davison continuity. It, it's pretty cool how they did that. Because it's right in between, and I can't remember. One of them is, one of them is called Time Crash. I think. I think the next episode in Davison's run where that would fit into continuity is called Time Crash or something like that. And it's pretty fun oh, because they they explain like why uh, Davison is old <laughs> because he wasn't old at that point in time, and it's like the time streams have caught up to themselves. So. He has uh, instantaneously aged as much as he would be kind of thing. It was pretty clever for a real quick, like, 15-minute clip, but it's pretty cool. No, I have not seen it. I have not seen it. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it's on YouTube. I'm not sure where to come Yeah, it's, that's where I watched it was on YouTube. Yeah, I, I did hear about it, though. I definitely want to check that out. Um, it, it'll be more fun after you've gotten to the fifth Doctor, I think. Okay, yeah, good call. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, oh. seven season seven has just a ton of <laughs> awesome nods. That's how I got on that. It's, it's easy. It's easy to derail me. <laughs> <laughs> My host skills. Um, you know, they're they're there sometimes. Um, season seven. Season seven. I found I've enjoyed like I've enjoyed. Pretty much all of season seven, I found in terms of there's a little up and ups and downs, of which there always are. Sure, but for the most part, I've enjoyed it a lot, and it's hard to avoid. Like, it's oh, I I should just ignore the internet because it's hard to like separate, um, all the the grumblings in the online Whovian um universe, but uh oh, yeah. from from the show. But anytime you've got like really passionate fans like that, you're going to wind up having, having that, like they should have done this. They should have done that. And it's funny because you look back, um, like a lot of, a lot of my rewatching of the classic series has been via DVD because I love the special features that they throw on each of those discs. And I think it was one of the six doctor episodes where they, um, in the special features, they had like a Q and a, 
about the six doctors run with fans from that era and they haven't changed it's exactly the same you it's the, exactly the same yeah we well, yeah, the fans good. are they're still out there and they're like well i think it's a little too complicated or it's not complicated enough there's yeah they constantly uh have something you know it's it's the same they're like well we know <laughs> we know what we like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's there's definitely uh, been Ups and downs in the seasons in in series seven, but um, for the most part, I've enjoyed all of it. Um, even that last episode, there's things that when I think about it, kind of start to drive me a little bit nuts. With uh, I enjoy like it's it's so it's so odd because on the one hand, I enjoy it. I think it's great. I right. like the sequence with Clara with the uh, going through um, the old uh, the, the the classic doctors. Mm-hmm. And her, them kind of injecting her into there, even though really it didn't have any effect on them because she could never, like, she's always off on the side. Um, yeah. Except for the first Doctor, I guess. But at the same time, that drives me a little crazy. Um, <laughs> like, there's there's always, and especially something like Doctor Who, where you're dealing with um, not only time travel, but you're dealing with a 50-year um, span of... It's not necessarily continuity, but people try to apply a rigid continuity to it. Sure. Like you're going to end up with holes and just odd things. But um, that aside, I enjoyed it. I loved loved the TARDIS thing. Um, oh, yeah. The, That's uh, cool. The graveyard. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, I, li- I kind of liked how they worked in River Song uh, the way that they did. You know, like in in a sense I liked it, and in another sense I didn't like it. It answered some questions for me, which I liked. Um, like she she does in fact know the doctor's name, and she kind of revealed that way back when uh, we first saw her with Tenet. But we've never seen it. We've never seen the actual reveal of his name to her because you get like a was it the possible astronaut where he does a red herring and he said i just told you my name when actually he said look into my eyes i'm in a robot oh good call yeah because that's that was popped in my head i was gonna say well well, didn't didn't he tell her the wedding thing no the doctor lies but you're right (laughs) you're right yo yeah exactly (laughs) you're right um so we know that he's told her but we still don't know how and when and why it was kind of interesting because it felt like, well, for one, it was interesting that, obviously, especially since there's, it's, you know, time travel, the regular alive uh, river is out there somewhere in time doing her thing. She's somewhere in jail. She's somewhere having an adventure. It's interesting that they went with a projection. Maybe that's just so they could get around having her there without actually having her there or just the closure aspect, but it's interesting that they went with a projection of the um, basically downloaded hard copy of her sure. back from uh, in the library. Um, I, I feel like that that's interesting. I feel like that's also how they came up with the name of the Doctor, because like I know when that title hit, everybody started freaking out, like, oh, no, they're going to tell us the name of the Doctor. Like, well, come on, they're not going to. I mean, if, yeah, if that, I it'll so. be it'll be done well if they do. And so, it's, you know, like that would have to be that version that knows his name. That's true. You have a that's a I, duh. That's totally logical. I haven't even thought about that. 
That's why they went with that. Yeah, good good call. But I mean, um, you, but you're right. They could have had a living version that already knew the name too. Um, but I mean, at least we know that that version that's stored in the computer, we know for a fact that she knows the name of the doctor. Yeah, she's the oldest version of herself. She's like the final version of her, so she would have gone through any experiences she had with the doctor at that point, she would have had. So she would have had all that knowledge. <laughs> so um, we, we came up with an interesting question, uh, and so I'm curious what you think about this. Uh, because we've seen River in such a really messed up continuity, you know, like they keep meeting in reverse, which has been a really clever story point. So did we watch In the Name of the Doctor, did we technically watch the very first appearance of River Song or the last appearance of River Song? That's that's a good question. <laughs> Makes your brain melt a little bit. I don't... Well, I think technically... Because, well, it's hard to say because she's a projection at that point. But this it kind of plays into, and this is for me one of the one of the little time periods of Doctor Who of all time, and also specifically Moffat's run that annoys me. Um, let's kill Hitler. Couldn't oh, stand it. Yeah. Like I just felt like, like, and that. I feel like that really muddled, muddled up uh, the entire river thing. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it was they were meeting out of border and all that, and that gets complicated. <laughs> but I do not feel like I just don't understand where they were going, like what happened there. But basically, that would have it just really meant. I like I don't mind that they made her um, Amy and Rory's daughter. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Although very odd that because they were two humans were subjected to um, the time stream while traveling in the TARDIS and conceived this child and basically made a Time Lord. That was very odd. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of interesting, though, I guess, if you think about the possible origins of Time Lords. But that whole thing really bugs me, and that's kind of what creates a mess for me in her her continuity sure that that episode you know while there's some things that are like it felt like the vital episode you needed it for so many reasons you needed it for the big wrap-up of that season because you had the the uh time travelers that travel in a robot uh because that you know that character is introduced in that episode you also needed to establish the fact that river is crazy uh, and this would be the first time that we've seen her. You know, like there's this huge gap in time, but they slap it all in there. It's like, okay, we've got to get all this in because we've got a season finale coming up really fast. We need this in here because it's how we are going to conclude things. We need this in here because it establishes that River's crazy and we don't know what she's going to do next. And we need this in here because we wrote a crazy title that we really wanted to blow people's minds with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And you really nailed my primary issue with it. Because the first, the episode before that, uh, I believe, was uh, Good Man Goes to War. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I think the way I viewed it is definitely different than the way people would view it. Because um, view it when they view it live. I watched it all on Netflix. It was all there ready to go. And that come, like, last uh, 
A Good Man Goes to War was kind of like a mid-season. Sure. What what do they even call it since they break seasons up in two? But, you know, like a yeah. mid-season finale. And then they came back with Let's Kill Hitler, so it was this, supposed to be this big, spectacular thing. But that's my exactly my beef. The ep, uh, Good Man Goes to War, I love that episode. I thought it was oh, great. Yeah. I did the reveal the reveal with River. It felt like it felt like they were starting this big epic storyline that they could have gone off with River and kind of threaded through where she they took she was taken as a baby and trained to be an assassin and all this like it could have been this big epic storyline. Instead we get hit with Let's Kill Hitler in which they just hurry up and wrap every possible thing that could have like they could have they just wrapped it all up in one little episode. Yeah. Uh, it just it still bugs me a little bit. Yeah. Not to and get into a uh, gripey gripey fan mode. <laughs> well, you know, and but that is <laughs> each each showrunner kind of has its its thing, you know, where it's like, oh, this was brilliant, you know, like we had Russell T Davies and you have so many cool things that happen in that era with uh bringing back Sarah Jane and K9 and this it, relaunching the entire series and uh you get Torchwood out of it. You got so many cool things. And then you've also got like the Daleks are involved in just about every season, which I, I think every, is yeah. it's kind of a thing, anyways. But it was like m- my wife hates Daleks for pretty much because of the Russell T Davies run, because you just get bombarded with Dalek episodes. Um, yeah, my girlfriend, my girlfriend had the same exact issue with the Daleks during that time period. Like she doesn't hate the Daleks, but at a certain point, she's just like. Again, like yeah. for, for for a race that was supposedly annihilated in the Time War, there are a ton of them. <laughs> exactly. Time. And yet there's only one <laughs> Time Lord? Come on. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? You were going to go on. Oh, uh, well, I was just going to say, you know, like, if that's the gripe with uh, with the Russell T. Davies run, you know, that you've got the Daleks just continually coming back. And I don't know if you get, do you guys watch Stargate at all? Huh? Okay. Well, in Stargate, they had kind of this, it, it, it had the same kind of build where it's like, okay, in the movie Stargate, you've got this, uh, you've got this technology. I don't know if you saw the movie. Yeah, I did see the movie. Okay. You've got this technology that they have. Well, once you launch into the TV series, that technology is like minimalized big time. Like, well, that's nothing. Now we got this technology, which nobody can beat. And then they beat it. And so then with the next series, you've got that technology is like minimalized. And it felt the same way with the Daleks. It's like, okay, when you had, uh, when you had Eccleston, when you had the ninth doctor, one Dalek was it. That was, that's all you needed to be absolutely terrified of the Daleks. Then you move on, and you've got, like, three Daleks have escaped the Time War. And then you've got the Dalek Empire plus Davros. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that that kind of, it's like, okay, now what will you need in order to make the Daleks uh, a threat again? Oh, I know. Let's put the Doctor on an entire planet of crazy Daleks. <laughs> yeah, not just Daleks. They're insane Daleks. The regular Daleks have walked away. <laughs> and if you don't have a certain bracelet, you might also become a Dalek. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can. I, how are they going to top? They'll never top that. I, I don't know. I don't know. He'll have to defeat an entire galaxy of Daleks next. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing. I mean, that kind of extends to a lot of things, but that's one thing both of the modern showrunners have been kind of guilty of. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of just something you have to deal with. Once you go a certain size, you kind of have to keep going. Sure. But during during uh, the Russell T. D- Davies era, during the 10th Doctor, there was a certain period, and it was laughable. I enjoyed them, but it was very laughable in which every episode for a while, and it was particularly that time period, oh, which one was it? Between, it was between Companions specifically, but... um. They had the 10th Doctor. Every episode was, it wasn't, it couldn't be some little, like, you know, siege-type episode or some small, some kind of smaller-scale thing. Everything was blown up super huge. Oh, every, yeah. Every episode was the world's, it, Earth is Earth is going to be destroyed. And then it's, um, yeah. the universe is going to be destroyed. And then it's, reality itself is going to be destroyed, and he's got... Which and I enjoyed this moment, but they've got the TARDIS towing Earth back to where it belongs. And like, oh yeah, the epic, end of season epic, four. Epic. Yeah. Oh man, it just yeah. kept blowing up larger and larger. Which I enjoyed, but it was so laughable. Every episode, you're like, oh my god, okay, what next? They're gonna undo reality. What's the next threat? You know? Yeah. The reality <laughs> that bomb. Was a, that was a fantastic um, nod itself. That whole. Um, with Davros and the Daleks and uh, them basically piloting Earth Earth off somewhere. Uh-huh. I love that that throwback, and they even mentioned it um, to... Which one is it? Oh, what is it? Here, I'll look it up. It's the first Doctor um, Oh, with the Daleks in, at that time, modern. Oh, no, it wasn't even modern. Dooms- it was not the Doomsday modern. device. Um, the Dalek invasion of earth yeah that could be that could be yeah yeah where they basically they had they they go to earth and they had the docks had already taken over and they Mm -hmm. were they had these weird like mind control things that they were controlling some of the humans with and they enslaved humans to try to build like a propulsion system so they could fly earth somewhere (laughs) which is pretty ridiculous but essentially that's kind of what they did in that 10th Doctor story. So I really enjoyed that throwback. It's like, well, they finally did it. They were trying to do it before, and they did it. But, um, why, why is that? Why are aliens always trying to take over Earth or, like, make Earth ours? Uh, like, you, you've got it with the Daleks now. You've got it with, uh, like, Transformers. Megatron's trying to build a space bridge and, and either, like, take over Earth or pull Cybertron into the orbit of Earth or whatever. And that's happened in the cartoon and the movies, and then you got the same thing happens in um, uh, was it the end of time? The very last uh, David Tennant episode where the Gallifreyans are like, "Hey, we're going to take over Earth." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, we we're just going to bump you out of orbit because we can. Because <laughs> we can't. It's so odd too. Because okay, you're assuming okay, especially in the Doctor Who universe or like any of those others, Transformers. If there's if there's a race of people or creatures that ha- is advanced enough that they can come take over Earth, that stands to reason that there's probably more advanced civilizations out there than humans. <laughs> with us. Like, yeah, from a yeah. storytelling point of view, I understand because that's where we live, and we're like, yeah, sure, you got, got to put the threat on us. But 
Yeah, when you think about it, it's pretty ridiculous that every other, especially evil race out there, is so obsessed with us. Even General Zod wants Earth. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he doesn't want Earth. He wants Krypton Earth. <laughs> Which wouldn't that negate their super duper powers if he made it just yeah, like Krypton? That was, that was one. Of, uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about that. That was one of those <laughs> things about Man of Steel that, like, I was like, so you're there. Like, why would you change it? Like, you're, you're pretty much you're a god. Like, why would you change that? Yeah. Sure, sure, it's a little disorienting at first, but you'll get used to it. <laughs> he's like the guy that's got his apartment exact. He's super OCD. He's like, I got my apartment exactly the way I want it. No, <laughs> that, that lamp is in the wrong spot. Put that lamp back over here. Terraform everything. Terraform everything. The world engine. Whatever they called it. This is the dubstep uh, machine. Yeah, Thank you, that's Superman. What it was, man. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Superman, for saving us from the dubstep machine. From the dubstep machine. <laughs> um, yeah, we hadn't even really talked about that. That's another movie that's very polarizing. Online, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I I did enjoy it, but I. It's one of those things, like, and it's pretty much the same anytime I hear a lot of criticisms about specific Doctor Who episodes is, I enjoyed it a lot, but at the same sure. time, like, I can see the point people are making. Like, I agree. It just, sure. I don't, some things just don't annoy me quite as much. Right, and I'm, um, I'm on the other, you know, I'm on the other side, but for a couple of reasons. We had a horrible experience. I, I wrote a whole blog about it, um, so I won't get into it, but it was, it was a bad it was a bad deal where, like, we got there, we were going to see 3D, 3D didn't work, they crammed us into the 2D theaters, so right off the bat, that was bad. Then they restarted the movie, like, three times, so we saw Krypton three times, which is, I like Krypton, oh, Krypton brutal. was badass, so, um, yeah, <laughs> that, that colored my whole experience of it, and uh, I don't know, you know, like, I I like it for what it was, you know, like, looking back on it. I, I realized I was soured going in because of mm-hmm. how the movie started for us. Um, and, th- and that's colored my perception of the m- movie entirely. Um, but I still, I still have some, some beefs and, and that is basically that I understand that they're rebooting the character. And, and if I could just let go, then I'd probably enjoy it more. But I feel like, it's it's like if you totally rewrote Doctor Who um, and changed the very essence of the character, then I think you'd have a you'd have a pretty big outcry, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what they did with Man of Steel. Now, having said that, uh, and and this is something I maintain, I'll enjoy the sequel. I think the sequel I will have already been uh, I will already know what kind of Superman this is. So the the shock and awe of it is all gone now. And I think that I can I can enjoy that. I can enjoy a Superman Batman movie now, knowing what kind of Superman you got. Oh man. I just heard uh that that made that made my day. I just heard that the other day. Uh that oh, yeah. I was I'm stoked for that. They already have my money. 
Well, yeah, it's it's just it's practically the Avengers, you know. It's the DC version of the Avengers right there. You don't even need mm-hmm. the Justice League. Just a Superman Batman movie is something they've been we've been waiting for our entire lives. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Um Okay. Um I could I could keep going about Superman. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we should probably jump back to who, I guess. <laughs> then if you bring then if you bring Batman into it, forget about it. Oh yeah, I know. We have to do a yeah. Batman episode. For sure, for sure. Have you okay, real quick, have you been um able to keep up on uh the Snyder run so far? I ha yeah, I haven't read uh the year zero stuff yet. I've got it sitting in the stack, but I haven't actually opened it yet. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of interested. Um, of course, you know, it's going to be like an 11-parter, so it'll be a while before it's concluded. Sure. But I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. It's a, We're only two issues in. but um, So this will be the yeah. true reboot, the true New 52 reboot, right? Is that yeah, what's happening with this? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. And so far... So far, it's pretty good, I'll say. Uh, the first issue I was not unsure of, but, like, it's just, it's got such a different feel. Um, just even from the rest of the current run of Batman, it's got a different feel. Uh-huh. A lot of it, uh, the look, I mean, it's still the artwork by um, Capullo, but it's, like, uh, a lot of it takes time during, uh, takes place during the day, so it's it's a lot brighter than you commonly expect. You don't even realize how dark... <coughs> The book uh, is, it is. Yeah. until they put it in the daylight, and you're like, oh, my God. But, yeah. um, or or you have Bruce Wayne riding on a Tron cycle. Then you might notice, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what's wrong with this. It's a Tron cycle. <laughs> that's so funny because that hadn't even, like, occurred to me. I had read it, but that hadn't even occurred to me until you said it. And I was like, oh, oh it's that- a Tron cycle. Everything exploded with Tron stuff, you know, like after that movie, like Havoc uh-huh. from the X-Men. He started wearing a Tron suit, basically. But like everybody had Tron. Even RoboCop looks like Tron, the new the new RoboCop. He looks like, if, if, I don't know if you've seen stills of it yet, but the new RoboCop looks like um, a light cycle helmeted Tron with a Cyberman body. I have not seen it. That's interesting. Oh, you're gonna have to look it up. See, see if you think I'm, see if you think I'm right about that. But I, I can't unsee it. I'm like, that's the Cyberman with the Tron helmet. Let's see, I'll look it up right now. In fact, <laughs> it's kind of like that wine tasting thing where it's like it tastes like cherries and smoke. And now that you look at it, you'll you'll be like, oh, cherries and smoke, Cyberman and Tron. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Wow, okay. That's very interesting. Well, you know, I like to ruin things before they ever come out. I don't know. I don't... I am kind of one of those guys that gets hung up on remakes of movies I like. Like, I know it shouldn't matter. It's not like the remake is necessarily going to ruin the original. Although, it can like the fun. yeah but um oh yeah uh, but it just doesn't always sometimes it doesn't seem necessary not to say it can't be accomplished well sure but that's one of those ones where i'm like i'll check it out but i'm gonna be weary of it it's it's tough it, you know like this is another thing that i've written a whole blog about is re- reboots um you know like 
I I loved Dread oh, because yeah. it it didn't talk down to us in any way, shape, or form. It jumped us right into the action, like we knew who Dread was. And if we didn't, well, we were going to figure it out throughout the course of the movie. And that's what I like in a reboot story. You know, I, I don't want to see the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four get bombarded with cosmic radiation again. You're like, I get it. <laughs> the movies aren't that old. I know how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. But that's the old oh, man rant and me coming like... out. <laughs> well, I don't think it's necessary. Well, I guess I guess if you're experiencing these, if you're younger and you're experiencing these uh, origin stories for the first time, that might be one thing. But I don't think it's necessarily just an old man rant, especially when you've got a reboot of Spider-Man so, uh, so close to uh, the last... Uh, t- so close to Spider-Man three, and yeah. then um, you've got uh, three. Not that they, not that they like had to explain the Hulk in the Avengers, but you've got three different versions of the Hulk. Two of them, two movies, Hulk movies with origin stories um, within a span of ten years. Like, there's definitely origin story overkill, and. Even Superman, although it's been a long time since um, we've had a Superman movie, everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows about Krypton. It's just kind of one of those thing that's, things that's ingrained in the pop culture subconscious, you know? It's, well, because it's they, always, it's, they always call back to it anyways. Yeah, like even if, you, um, even if you didn't see that first movie, you go to uh, Superman Returns, which has got a huge gap between, you know, Superman 4 and Superman uh, returns and and that's not even where it sits in continuity. You have a massive reboot uh, retelling of what happened in that second movie, so that we can all understand. Whoa, this takes place after Superman two. So it's like you're gonna do it anyways. So why do we have to watch a whole movie about it? You're gonna retell yeah, it. Yeah. You're gonna say, oh, he's from Krypton and Krypton exploded. I mean, we're gonna get that anyways. I think you. You get that a decent amount in uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, and actually, they did a really good job of not beating us over the head with it every time. They just kind of go, "Oh, this happened. Remember that," and then they move on. Yeah, Bat- Batman Begins was real interesting because they did they treat it like they they dealt with that, but then they then they kind of went off and dealt more with. Um, the Bruce Wayne Batman transition in a way that hadn't really been accomplished. Usually you get the origin story and then he's Batman. Right. So it was interesting that they kind of filled a lot of that origin story time with a period that doesn't really get much screen time in terms of movies and stuff. Sure. So they handled that pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, there's those ums again. I don't remember. What I <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a viewer. Awesome. Ooh, hello, viewer. Uh, this is, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> talking talking to our one viewer. Uh, and well, now we've scared was, them away or something. We have. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Well, this, they startled me. There's pressure now. <laughs> Somebody's watching. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Doctor Who. Let's jump back to that. <laughs> We really, we really went off on reboots. <laughs> so let's let's talk about let's talk about John Hurt Doctor. What do you think? Like that's kind of the big, obviously the big question. 
the big question mark that they left us with. Well, and they they set it up really. I mean, it's really smart how they set it up. Um, he's the one that broke the rules, and that implies that Matt Smith knows who he is. I think. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that makes me believe that it's a past incarnation of the Doctor because Matt Smith seems to already know what's going on. Unless, yeah, exactly. Unless Matt knows an awful lot more, you know, he already knew about his TARDIS and everything. I mean, it's like, what does the 11th Doctor know, I guess is the big question. That's a good point, because generally doctors don't seem to know, and it's kind of, I I mean, other than from a writing standpoint and, like, not plotting out way in advance, um, it's kind of by design. The doctor doesn't want to know what happens to him in the future, the whole spoilers thing. Right. But um but you're right. The doctor like he knew about the TARDIS, the 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 graveyard. He knew about um oh what's the name of it? The, they said it a million times in that episode. Trem Tremblor or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, he knows about all that. He's very upset when he when he when it's mentioned to him, which which Matt Smith did a fantastic job, I thought. Oh yeah. Um so it, it is kind of interesting. And then also like I mean, it kind of goes without saying during any any of the Doctor's runs that there could be an infinite amount of adventures that happens in between adventures that you don't see. But they expressly said um, that uh, Matt Smith had uh, aged several hundred years in between episodes, basically. Sure. So there's potentially, like, who knows what he was off doing, and who knows how much he knows, like... You make an interesting point that he he's aware of of the John Hurt Doctor. When we've got all sorts of you know all sorts of adventures that happen um, in at least two different breaking points, um, there's all that time that he spends away from the ponds. Uh, I think that's in the first part of season seven, and then if you go back to uh, season six, that Impossible Astronaut uh, era. Mm-hmm where right before he knows all of this is going to happen. He knows he's facing his impending doom. So in denial, he goes off and has who knows how many adventures. And it isn't until he hears about the death of the brigadier that he's like, okay, time to go face my fate, whatever that is. So, yeah, what does he know? I mean, if he knows an awful lot about his future, then it could be a future incarnation of the Doctor. Um, and, and it makes you wonder how, how often do uh, the Doctors cross their timelines and just instantly recognize themselves in a photo. You're like, oh, yeah. I know him, he's me. Even though I am not him yeah, that, yet. That's a good point. Like, I mean, imagine if they come across each other. Well, and that's kind of interesting because then you've got... Um, the special, the Tenth Doctor, uh, what do they call it? The Series Four special, um, the Next Doctor, in which oh, you yes. cross that guy who believes he's the Doctor, and um, uh, yeah, he didn't really get a Tenet, vibe off of that. Yeah, exactly. Tenant was unsure, but at the same time, he was kind of seemed ready to like accept that this is potentially him. Yeah. So that's I don't know, just kind of an interesting side to that. Well, that's an interesting continuity thing that they they like to bounce back and forth between. Like, in some cases, they've made it seem like Time Lords recognize each other almost the same way that, uh, like, vampires supposedly recognize each other. It's like, I just know 
that's that's another yeah. time lord but in that case it you know it should have been like well yeah uh, that's obviously human i can hear the beating of only one heart yeah that's a good point um i was thinking about that during uh the deadly assassin because at one point the doctor comes up and he's talking to somebody and it seems like he recognizes people that who might have changed Mm-hmm. And sometimes people recognize him, but not all the time. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, interesting aspect to it. Um, so, yeah, the John Hurt Doctor, like, what makes most sense to me and the way it kind of feels like they, they set it up is that he would be, as people were saying, the 8.5 Doctor, the Time the time War Doctor. Right. Because, and that, you know, obviously... Anytime they go back and like kind of retro, if that's the case, anytime they go back and try to retroactively alter continuity, it, it bugs me a little bit. There's going to be little holes and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but that makes the most sense. But one thing with Moffat's run that I appreciate outside of, you know, uh, let's kill Hitler and stuff like that is that he'll set something up it, like this whole thing with Clara. He'll set something up to where you either think it's the one thing or you have no idea how he's possibly going to tie this together. He does usually do um, a pretty good job at, at like, zigging and resolving it in a way that you weren't expecting but still kind of makes sense. So that makes me think that the idea of him, of John Hurt being the Time War Doctor, almost seems too obvious. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. (laughs) But it's... It's it's obviously it's hard to say. That's just that one makes the most sense to me. Um, With fifty years of you, stuff, you know, it's like you've got so many different options. You've got uh, things like the the Dream Lord, where you know he's he's kind of the Doctor, but he's not. He's like the result of psychic pollen, whatever that is, you know. And so like the time or the dream Lord was sort of the doctor. And then you also have, um, you know, I don't want to ruin anything, but Abby, it's pretty fair, fairly well established. There's a character called the Valyard that is kind of yeah. a weird amalgam. And they even reference that, which I was like, Oh, you know, I had my little geek gasm about that. Uh, when they said the name of the Valyard, uh, and yeah, he's, I did a little, I did yeah. a little research into him. So you, yeah, don't worry about spoiling him for me. Okay. I did some research on that one. Yeah, and he's he's some strange uh, oddity of of you know the regenerative process too. And then you also there's another one that's coming up for you when the fourth and the fifth Doctor when the fourth Doctor regenerates. There's an additional little weird element to that regeneration without without giving it away because that's kind of a major part of that story arc that involves basically that sort of in-between regeneration kind of thing. Interesting. Interesting. Then you think about Tenet. You think about the Tenth Doctor and how he essentially regenerated a you know, like he regenerated but he used his hand to siphon off the regenerative uh, energies and so that always confused me. Like, was that a real regeneration? Or are we actually looking at, uh, the, you know, the twelfth as Matt Smith is the twelfth? Yeah. And stuff like that. So then we only have one left. And that's another thing. Like, and of course, once they get there, and the show's still popular, which of course I hope it will be, because the show should never end. It's gone fifty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's an interesting thing. Obviously, they could work, find any 
any way. Like the, the, the science of how regenerations work, and then you've got the, the odd things like you're talking about, um, uh, the, the Valyard and, 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 and all that, and Dr. Donna, and basically he kind of created a 10th Doctor human clone of himself to go live with Rose and make her happy, so she actually has kind of a, like a positive uh, end it, to, the, it, it, to her ex- whole thing. Um, you you want to hear my you want to hear my uh, my wish for that doctor? Yes. <laughs> this is this is my macabre side coming out. Uh, you know how how Donna went crazy because having <laughs> the brain of a time lord and a human body is bad. Yeah. Um, let's apply that to the tenant clone. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he could take over ahead. that. He could take over that <laughs> an entire alternate universe and become the Valyard. Yeah, that's true, man. Dude, things <laughs> you could go things could crazy. Gone, things could have gone very grim over <laughs> in that universe. That's what I hope for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you thought it was bad before. <laughs> that's actually when they announced that uh, Tenet and Rose were coming back. I wondered for a second if that was going to be actually the Tenth Doctor or if it was going to be Rose and that alternate Doctor from that dimension. They pretty much cleared that up, but that was yeah, one of my yeah. thoughts: is which which Tenet are we getting here? And I guess not that it would make a big difference, but I'm I'm glad that it's going to be the actual Tenth. Yeah. Not that like he really would have been any different, but sure. Um. Uh, oh, but um, yeah. So the science of how regenerations work, and obviously, like you said, the master has died multiple times and managed to find a way back. So sure. I think once they hit that 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 limit, which I just actually, I think it, I could be wrong, but I think the deadly assassin was the first episode in which they mentioned the uh, 12 regeneration limit or oh yeah probably because they have to explain it the way that he hasn't regenerated yeah oh yeah yeah with the master being um oh he looked nasty too like i don't know (laughs) yes what the deal was um and i love watching the old series and coming across like major things like that things like you'll come across the first time they mentioned a certain thing that's kind of like major lore or uh, kind of guidelines that they still stick to in the show. It's like, yes, Doctor Who history right there. Yeah, um, like uh, War Games. The very yeah. last Patrick Troughton is the very first time we even know about the Time Lords. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I enjoyed, that was another one that was a little stretched out, but the War Games was fantastic, I thought. Yeah, that's about as good a long one as I've ever seen. That was actually ten parts, isn't it? Yeah, like it's, yeah, it was eight or ten. Long. It's It's long. Um, but yeah, so you know they could go either way, and the way with 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 the um, John Hurt Doctor, and the way that I that Moffat seems to work, I want to say the obvious answer is not going to be what it is. But well, and there's you know there's other stuff that's spoilery that uh, it's like. There's even talk, uh, you know, like you haven't gotten into the White Guardian, Black Guardian stuff yet, but uh, there's there's stuff like Omega and all sorts of strange cosmic stuff. I, I would call it like the Infinity Gauntlet 
<laughs> side of the Doctor Who universe where they imply that uh, the Doctor will become a guardian when he's done with his regenerations, and it's not going to be pretty. So, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff out there that oh. this Doctor could be. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about the re- limited regenerations. My Here is the way, like, this is how it seems to me the easy out, although, this, again, it's maybe it's too obvious that so they'll come up, think of something else, some epic explanation for how to get him past uh, the regeneration limit. But River, when she was still a Time Lord or whatever and had regenerations, of course, you don't know how many regenerations she used up to that point when she became, like, the physical form that we know her as River. But she saved the Doctor by giving him her um, remaining regenerations. Yeah. So in my mind, if they really need an easy out for how to give him more regenerations, boom, done, right there. Oh, yeah. Her remaining uh, regenerations, so... When, yeah, they can do that. Uh, there's been multiple times where they, where someone is trying to force the doctor to give up his remaining regenerations, whether because he got in trouble or because they need it to survive or whatever. And it always gets worked out. But, yeah, apparently that's a process that can happen. And they can restore Time Lord status because that's what happened to the Master at one point. I think it was implied that he got his Time Lord status uh, reinstated because of his uh, his involvement in the Time War. And then he went MIA. <laughs> uh. Excuse me. Adjusting, yep. adjusting my microphone. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I hit one of those walls again. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> I was distracted for a moment. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh, I was just talking about how the master, uh, like, they can, they can just kind of switch it on and off it seems like the time lords can say okay well you used up all your regenerations but we're going to go ahead and reinstate your time lord status so you know then you've got a master that is a time lord again as opposed to a body snatcher yeah yeah that's interesting see exactly like the 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 science of how the regenerations work and of course pretty much the science of how everything works in the doctor who universe is so so iffy they, they, I don't think it, like, they can come up with whatever, and it just kind of works. Like, you just sure. kind of accept it. Um, There's an interesting thing that's going you haven't seen the brain of Morbius yet. Oh, um, yes. Oh, you did. So, okay. Yes. Spoiler for that episode here. Uh, there is a moment where they go back and they show, uh, the doctor's other regenerations, and you see all the faces that you're expecting to see. And then, and then some. Yeah. yeah, I was I was wondering about that as we were watching, um, because it, they they play like that that mind game or whatever. They connect to this device and this little screen. Um, yeah, I was I was wondering about that because uh, you don't expect to see unfamiliar faces. So yeah. And I was like, well, I'm thinking there. I'm thinking at the time that was meant to be. Those are other regenerations of the doctor um but then if you like approach it with the uh fanatic mindset of trying to keep a continuity well like well maybe that's like 
regen- faces of Morbius or whatever. But sure, yeah, no, you make a good point. That is yeah, exactly, exactly. I thought that was and, very interesting. And the doctor lies, so who knows? Maybe he's had other regenerations that we just don't even know about. It's it's I, God, I so try not to be that guy. But it's hard not to, like, there's little things once in a while that they'll throw in and that's just supposed to be, like, quick little, like, winks and stuff that, like, really trip me up during, in terms of, like, regenerations and some and stuff. And at one point during, I think it's, I can't remember if it's Tennant or Smith, Doctor, it's 10 or 11, but somebody scans him with the device and, like, 10 or 11 um, DNA strands show up. So I thought that <laughs> was kind of an interesting interesting week it's literally something that like goes by in a couple seconds and it's not even mentioned but it's i thought it's an interesting link but at the same time like anytime i think about other regenerations and like in between doctors that pops in my head and i'm like no don't get caught up on something so <laughs> trivial and stupid <laughs> you know? that, that wasn't supposed to be a thing <laughs> yeah that was that was just a little nod don't worry about that Turn it's like on a scale from one to ten how much trouble are we in i'd say eleven that's all that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, but you know, and it's, and that's the thing with Doctor Who, and that's also why people get touchy about it. But like, first off, for the most part, you don't go fifty years, uh, you know, give or take. They had a little time off, but you don't go fifty years of storytelling. In fact, with all the episodes of the early episodes, issues uh early comic books pop into my head issues uh, all the early episodes that makes up for that time that what like 10 years it was off air like i can't believe they crank 40 44 episodes a season oh but yeah. you don't go 50 years trying to write a, a single storyline or or like 50 years of continuity without creating some type of um some type of plot holes and stuff like that let alone something like doctor who where it's intentionally complex and confusing and timey-wimey. And, sure. Like, you just can't avoid it. Um, and that's also kind of the fun of Doctor Who, because it's not necessarily, it's not strictly tied to its own continuity. So that when they do mention, like, they do make a nod, it's, like, super exciting, but at the same time, like, they're not exact, they can, they can deviate if they need to. Well, yeah, and they've even got alternate dimensions. So um, yeah. if you pull from any of the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, tertiary content, I mean, like you said, for 10 years there was basically Doctor Who magazine and radio dramas that was keeping the show alive. And uh, so you had, you know, a comic book version of the Eighth Doctor uh you know, through that era via the Doctor Who magazine. And that's kind of how you had stories. And they even um, tried to continue it with their own Ninth Doctor. So there's an alternate Ninth Doctor out there uh, with its with its own story. And so, I mean, there's even an argument that if Peter Moffat liked that, he – or not, not Peter Moffat, it's Stephen uh, Moffat. Stephen? Yes, yeah. Stephen Moffat. Uh, Peter Moffat's another – showrunner so <laughs> that gets confusing is, uh, um yeah there's there's a alternate ninth doctor written at least in comic form and i don't know that he's considered canon but if stephen moffat liked it maybe that's who john hurt is who knows i believe there's also um 
I don't. I think it was a one of the audio plays, but the guy that they cast in the next Doctor as the um, kind of false Doctor. Mm-hmm. Know, mm-hmm. I believe they had him. He was in the audio plays as a ninth Doctor before the series restarted. So of course, ah. when they announced. Yeah, yeah, which I, I haven't listened to those, but that's something I heard about. And, of course, when they announced before the episode aired that he was going to be in it, and the episode was called The Ninth Doctor, like, they're pretty good about toying with people's expectations with the with the episode titles and, and casting announcements. But sure, sure. That's kind of another interesting, like, oftentimes they, they'll refer to him when talking about the audio plays as the Nth Doctor. Mm-hmm. But, um, of course, those aren't necessarily... Like you said, with the comic books, uh, they're not considered canon. Exactly. exactly. Although they're a lot of times they can be as good or better. Hmm. I've heard good things about the audio plays, and I want to get into. I'd like to get into them. Oh, I'd love to too. They're just they're pretty expensive when you order them directly from yeah. from Big Finish, and the ones that I've really enjoyed the most, I think, are the Lost Stories. They have a whole block that are called the Lost Stories, which I think are based off of actual scripts that just never got made. Ooh, so, yeah, nice. That's kind of fun. Um. Do you want to? Sh- you mentioned the comic books. Do you want to uh, shift gears for a moment? And have you been reading uh, the Doctor Who comic books? Uh, well, I read a little bit of the uh, the modern run um, before they switched to the new volume, whatever okay. they're on right now. And then I've kind of uh, been dipping into the classic. You know, like they've they've been re-releasing all the classic stuff through IDW, and that's what I've been kind of reading. Most recently, they just got done with the um, the sixth Doctor run, and uh, now they're starting on the seventh Doctor. So the one that I have been fairly up to date with is that Prisoners of Time thing that they've been doing oh, yeah. uh, yep. to coincide with the months. And so that's been interesting because uh, are you caught up on that? Are you up to date on that? No, I um, oh. I actually have to. I could probably read the the third and fourth issue but i at the um i stopped once i hit the third doctor because i was still in the third doctor oh i, I gotcha seen, i went to start reading it and i seen sarah jane was in it and i wasn't up to that point so i'm kind uh, of like like i'm kind of being um basically if it's if it's a doctor i haven't watched the show of yet i'm holding off because i gotcha want the, uh, i want the original show to be like my first exposure to these doctors and i don't know it's just kind of just you're being a purist like exactly it feels like the more appropriate way to go plus after reading the first two issues um so those are the so i've only read the first two right but um uh after reading those like there's definitely a lot in there that i took away having known the show and known the uh, companions and stuff like that so i figured that's another thing like if i read them without having watched the show there's going to be some stuff that i just miss or like characterizations that i don't necessarily recognize as being as accurate as they are but that's one thing i noticed about the first two issues is the characterizations of um the companions and the doctor have been pretty good oh yeah that's very enjoyable so yeah that's so i want to get to know the companions and the the uh well i say future doctors future doctors for me time right why me um, <laughs> no it's it's a, been really good and uh 
with the uh, the last one that I read was the Sixth Doctor, and the, and the reason that I even uh, brought the conversation in this direction is that in that issue they have a character that is um, exclusive to the comic run of the Sixth Doctor, and he actually plays a pretty uh, important role in it, which I was kind of geeking out about because I really enjoyed the character. Without giving it away, cool. it's like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool how they're they're tie, you know, like they like to tie things in from, you know, different versions. What I've noticed is, what I've noticed, and this is also something I've I've um, I, I haven't searched out too many reviews of the comic books or anything, but the general consensus that I've noticed is that, um, it's kind of praised for, um, it's definitely got a lot of the, like, uh nods to the series it's kind of coming from a fan point of view but not necessarily approaching it like a fan fiction right the the story's actually like seems legitimately good the characters are are good but um yeah it kind of plays up both uh both worlds where you know you tell their fans and they're into it but at the same time it's not as they say fan winky right they're paying fan service without being slaves to it Yeah, yeah exactly um I heard earlier this week, I believe, and it kind of bums me out. Um, IDW will, at the end of the year, so they'll be able to finish The Prisoners of Time, but they're going to be losing the license to Doctor Who. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I, th- I thought sure. they've handled it really well. I'm Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm hoping at least somebody will get it. I'm not sure what BBC uh, Worldwide or whoever handles that is going to be doing with it but I'm hoping there will be some type of return to the comics because I've been enjoying them. I've been uh, keeping up on the current um, Matt Smith's Doctor comics. Um, and those are kind of, at times, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, they've been, not, they've been pretty decent, um, especially the current storyline. I won't get too much into it if you haven't, if you haven't read it. Um, it's pretty interesting. And... Like it's the way it's been handling like the companion change is also interesting because it started um, when Amy and Rory were still on the show, and then of course there was the switch to to Clara, mm-hmm. and basically how the uh, comic handled it is that it didn't like Amy and Rory are there, and then you get a solo Doctor uh, set of issues, and then Clara's there. So oh okay, it's a little weird, but at the same time it's like. They assume you're keeping up with the show, so they just kind of like here's some more stories that would fit somewhere in there, you know. So that they didn't uh, have to re- they didn't have to reboot it, is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. They didn't feel the need to throw the, the origin story of every character in there cause they because they because they knew we were smart enough to figure it out. Exactly, and I don't know who would be reading just the comics and not watching the show. That would be very <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, did you know there's a show? <laughs> <laughs> you think there's somebody out there that actually is like, ah, oh, this Doctor Who looks really interesting and starts reading the comic and doesn't know? I bet, like, it's so ridiculous, but I bet there is. There probably is. <laughs> be somebody. If you're that person, there's a show we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah, really yes. I know this is, this whole like hour plus has been really confusing to you, but there's a show. 
<laughs> if you're still in it and don't know, if you're still listening and don't know this is a show, uh, why'd you do well, that to yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I I have also been buying the Doctor Who classics that they've been releasing. Uh huh. But since, um, but I'm just kind of filing them on file. Like I said earlier, with the uh, Prisoners of Time, since I haven't got to those Doctors yet, I've just kind of been filing them for later. Right. But. But I'm buying, when you, I'm buying those Doctor Who's. Those are old, anyways. So you know, it's yeah, they'll be mm-hmm. they'll be fun when you get there, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm. Um, I dig it. The more Doctor Who, I mean, obviously, if the quality's real bad, I don't want that. But even like I said, like the the current series, just the current regular, just Doctor Who series, is kind of hit or miss. But there's <laughs> usually something in there that's entertaining. I think it's just it kind of. It's inevitable because some of the little story, because it'll vary. Like the current storyline is a four-issue arc. Most of them have been like two issues, maybe three, um, and it'll kind of fall into the the problem that the show has. It's just kind of a, a an issue with writing something like that, where they'll set this thing up, and it's really cool, and you're super excited about it, and then the next issue comes out, and they have to resolve it, and you read it, and you're like, well, you know, okay, that resolves it, but oh yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a comic book problem in general you know it's like civil war was a six six uh six issue arc in marvel and it's like okay it's it, this is really interesting we got this really intense uh battle between factions of superheroes and then boom issue six oh super uh captain america is just gonna be like oh we gotta stop <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how civil war ended was just like oh no i just realized how bad all this is we gotta stop now. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like just setting up epic things. Like you got to be a pretty good. Like even I haven't read too much in the way of Stephen King, but that's like everyone's complaint with a lot of Stephen King work is like the book will be good or whatever, and then the end. Like I think the end of anything, especially if you're working on something that sets up this big epic storyline or just ha- deals with large issues or large ideas i mean once you come to the end it's really hard to wrap it up in a way that feels um that feels complete well and culturally we like happy endings and stephen king does not yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, if there is, you know, like, if he has a story that actually has a what you'd consider an ending ending, um, it's usually not a happy one. But most of his endings, uh, they either end with everyone dying, like a complete character kill, or, you know, that character goes on and continues living. So you don't feel a full resolution. Yeah, yeah. Um slight sidetrack that reminds me did you ever see the mist i did did you like it yeah yeah i I liked it and that's that's funny because yeah that ending i uh, i assumed that was the ending that stephen king wrote and uh then i found out it wasn't and i was like are you kidding me that's such a perfect stephen king ending yeah that's like i enjoyed the movie as it was um it was like you definitely tell the stephen king isms in it I've never read the short story, but it also felt like a classic horror story that you don't really, a horror movie that you don't really get too much anymore, where there's there's a threat, it's there, but most of the time you're dealing with 
the threat inside, which is kind of like classic zombie movie style, you know, where sure. zombies are there, the monsters there, whatever, but the real threat is man. It's man. Yeah. <laughs> but, Fear itself. <laughs> but I enjoyed the like, especially with a horror movie. Like a lot of times with a horror movie, they you can tell that they'll throw an ending on there. Ooh, it's a happy ending. They found the corpse of the ghost, and now the ghost's soul can rest in peace and blah, blah, blah. And it just feels so, like, whoop, bow tie. So yeah. with a horror movie, I can totally handle, like, a downer ending. And I watched that, and I was like, oh, like, yeah. incredibly, like, it, first first off, it's a downer. It's got, like, kind of a false ending. It's a downer, yeah. and if you haven't, if, if nobody's seen The Mist or Reddit, oh, go. We're, we're about to spoil it. Turn your ears off. Yeah, stop right now and go get it. <laughs> but it's like such a downer ending with, with with the gun and all that business in the car. And then on top of that, it's like they threw the happy ending on a little too <laughs> To make that little... bad ending worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Twist and the knife. It was brutal. And then like you said, I assume that's how the short story ended, but and that, that's one of the rare cases in which the movie, they actually tacked on a far worse ending than the short story has. Yeah. Apparently in the story, it ends with them driving off into the mist and there's big creatures and it's like kind of an open ending. Right. And I was like, how rare is it of them to like, like, no, we're not going to do that ending. We're just going to do this horrible, horrible, depressing. Like, <laughs> I was very impressed with it. And I heard that, it, and I, maybe I need to look this up, but what I had heard is that Stephen King loved that ending so much that he had said that he wished that was his ending. Really? Yeah, I, that's what I had heard. That's that's pretty cool. That's I'm going to have to cool. look that up now to verify that. But. Sure. Unconfirmed, but I would yeah. believe it. I would believe it. Um, yeah, I was, talking to, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about that the other day, so... You're talking about the endings, and we mentioned Stephen King, so I had to bring that up. But yeah, yeah. anyway, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Um, oh, we've been going for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose we could probably wrap this thing up here. <laughs> Naturally, like you said, Doctor Who, you keep you keep going. There's a ton of things like, like in a way, I almost want to sit down and. Uh, at some point and just be like pick a season or pick several episodes and then just like episode by episode just kind of discuss that episode We've oh yeah because we, we could do that we could do that with season seven and uh, but we'd have to go for a whole nother hour easy because each oh, episode easy. has got its own awesome little micro microcosm of, of stuff that's awesome and then yet confusing you know like like you go back to the first half of season seven, you've got the power of three. There's so many awesome things happening in that episode, but then when you take a step back and look at the plot, you're like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. Oh, and oh, and that was one of those ones. The I, I enjoyed the episode, but right. I agree with pretty much everyone else on Earth who watched it. The end, like it was just boom. Yep. It's just there. He does a little boom, boom, boom on the screen and it's done. Like it was one of those things. But yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Every 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 episode has a ton of stuff that could be talked about. Yeah. So I definitely like to do more Doctor Who podcasts. Uh, as you can tell, I've been wanting to bring like every time we do one of these with the other with with Stephen Lou, I'm like <laughs> oh, Doctor Who, and they don't watch it. So there's yeah yeah. It. Which I'm like, I, I think Louis re would really dig it, and so I keep. Uh, 
I keep like giving him the little nudge every time I see him. I'm like, but Doctor Who. Yeah, just start. Yeah. Just start with the modern stuff. You got to start somewhere. Might as might as well be with the stuff that's less jarring. Well, yeah, I agree, and that's like I tried to get Steven to it, and I know if I could get Steve, like I don't think Lou watches a lot of TV on his own, so if I could get Steven to it, I think Lou would get tied into it because he's sure. around it. And Steve, like, was uh, you listen to the episodes? I'm sure Steve was like, "Oh, I got to start at the beginning." I was like, "Don't do that, man. You won't. No. You won't do it. No, like, you, you gotta, won't like, like it." You gotta let it get its hooks into you with the modern stuff, and then if like if you're if you're into it enough, then go back, and then yeah. it'll be worth it. But for a modern viewer, like there's nothing wrong with starting at the starting with the new stuff. No, we're used to a certain we're used we're used to a certain kind of storytelling now, and it's just too jarring to jump back unless that's what you were used to. Like if you grew up watching those episodes, then yeah, you could jump back into them. And it'd be just like riding a bike, but uh, yeah, you got to have the love first, and you got to really want to know where this all came from. Exactly. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, I would be more than willing to do more of these again. I know you're busy, so we could always work around your schedule. But if you want to come on again and talk some Doctor Who or Batman or or X Men, like. Yep. Idiot. Oh yeah, we didn't even we didn't even touch on it. I mean, we've got Wolverine just came out. Um, <laughs> there's oh, all we, sorts of stuff. Did. And and actually, I mean, let's real quick. Wolverine's uh, surprisingly not a movie that I've been all that worried about. You know, like I think it'll be better than the last Wolverine, uh, but I don't know if I'm really uh, like I'm more interested in Days of Future Past. Then, Ooh, me too. Me like too. that looks. That's definitely on my radar. Whereas Wolverine, I know I'm going to watch it. I just don't know if I'm going to rush right out. You know, that's. It's kind of like, maybe maybe it's because we've already had a Wolverine movie, and we've yeah. seen Wolverine in three other movies. Although Wolverine is Wolverine, and sure. and um, I can't remember the guy's name offhand. I should know, but anyway. But it's also kind of seems like, and it's kind of what appeals, what makes the movie appeal to me. But the tone of the trailer, it seems like the tone of the Wolverine movie, is just kind of so muted, and huh. it's just different, you know. Yeah. So that's like, on one hand, like I'm interested in it because I like kind of a more serious tone, which might be why I enjoyed Man of Steel more than a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's not really, like, grabbing me. There's nothing that's like, go watch this. It's going to melt your eyeballs out, you know? Sure. So, Well, and, I, you know, I like what it looks like it's going to be because it, it looks like some very classic runs on Wolverine, uh, like the Chris Claremont kind of era. But, yeah, it's it's not grabbing me too much. And I, I guess – and I, I kind of had this argument, or not really argument, debate with, with a friend of mine, uh, and we had kind of, we had kind of like lamented this, like, why aren't we just chomping at the bit to go see this movie? Shouldn't we just be really geeking out about this? Is, is our, it, did we break our geek brains? I mean, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong with us? And, and, you know, I think that what it's come down to is that superhero movies, by and large, right now kind of hit a formula 
and they don't like to deviate from it. And so I guess what I'm worried about is that I'm not going to see any surprises with this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like the last, like one of the last uh, superhero movies that I really liked and really surprised me was, um, I think, X-Men First Class because they they kind of deviated just enough. Like they, they stuck with it. They stuck with the core material enough, but they changed, they took liberties and they changed enough that I could see it with sort of fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I enjoyed that one too. I don't know. It just, it just feels like, um, a lot of new superhero movies are, are hitting a certain, certain kind of storytelling and they're playing it safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and, and there's a lot of them. I mean, that's not, yeah. not necessarily a bad thing, but also, you know, like, I'm enjoying them, but you I could, you could easily see an oversaturation. I, I grew up loving and wishing for all of these things, you know. Like, I, I never thought I'd see an Avengers movie in my lifetime. Uh, and now we have it. And it's like, wow. You know, but then it's almost like that Dalek thing. Like, um, now how do you top the Avengers? Yeah, yeah. Do you even try? I don't know. Or do you just make the next good movie? But I think too many people are going to be like, okay, Avengers is the new benchmark. What did they do right? How can we do it? And that's kind of in a way, not to like draw on the conversation too much longer, but Man of Steel kind of seems like, I mean, obviously they went with a totally different tone. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of knew they were going to because at least on DC's end, they've seen a lot of money from the Dark Knight uh, trilogy, but in that tone's appropriate for Dark Knight. Sure. But then they throw Zack Snyder on there, or you kind of expect a certain kind of um, a certain kind of tone. But um, the destruction in that in Superman, I think, yeah. is kind of a response to Avengers. They're like, well, how can we one up Avengers? This is our yeah. Battle. We got we got to be able to do it. And they did in terms of destruction. Oh yeah, it looks like the Cloverfield monster came, yeah. came along and was like, "Hey, it's <laughs> really, it's really insane, but it's not totally appropriate." Because... No, because Superman stops all that. You know, that's that's what Superman does. He makes sure that kind of collateral damage doesn't happen. Exactly. It's you know, the people. And there's no, there's none of that in this one. Um, yeah, but. Anyway, I enjoyed the destruction. I, but it's it's. Oh, it looks awesome. Like, I'm not I'm not upset about it. It's more like laughable. And it's like when I first posted it after <laughs> I seen it, I was like, the destruction is insane. Millions of hundreds of thousands of people would be dead. Like, what is going on? Have Have you seen? Um, and I I know there's lots of of these kind of things out there, but um, how it should have ended. Do you follow that? Uh, yeah, I do. Have they done a Man of Steel? They did it, and it's perfect. Oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah, I I love that channel. That they have good stuff on there. Yeah, I, I, I think Cafe. I think that one is it may be one of my favorites so far because they they approach it and they handle it in a way that uh, totally skirts the issue entirely. You know, like the the arguments that everybody has had, like he's too violent or this or that or whatever. They just go with a, this is how it should have ended. And it just kind of subverts all of it. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's, oh, it's brilliant. You know, and, and a lot of times they will happen on something that's like that, like how it should have ended. 
and it would have been over in like 20 minutes, but (laughs) (laughs) there's that obvious gap in the storytelling. Like, why didn't you just do this? Uh Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll, I'll check this out as soon as we're done here. I'll go check that out. Yeah. The, how it should have ended is a great channel. Is he, (laughs) uh, um, Okay, yeah. Uh, do you? Okay, you have websites and stuff, and you do, I do. online things. Do you have any uh, anything you'd like to plug? What, what's your website, your blog, and all that? Okay, um, well, my main blog is uh, tankmonkeycomic.com, and I do a webcomic, and uh, I also like to blog about things. So all, all these blogs that I've been referencing are pretty much uh, located there. Uh, you can get to me an awful lot of ways. Uh, my... My company name, my business name is Vorpal Arrow Studios. So you can also find me uh, with that URL, which is vorpalarrow.com. And uh, I also did a comic for a very long time about uh, martial arts, uh, and that one's at kickscomic.com. So those are the those are my main projects. I do all sorts of other stuff too, but uh, those are the main ones. And then from there, you know, go ahead and follow me on Twitter, Facebook me. Awesome. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, I'll, put, I'll put links to your stuff as well in the um, the description to this video, and then um, I don't think this video is gonna, this video is going to need much editing at all. So by tomorrow, the audio only version should be out, and I'll have uh, links in the show notes. It's kind of a nice uh, the nice thing about not having the video element is you don't have to explain a bunch of stuff that happened on camera <laughs> yeah, that's, tr- that's true exactly and i really like this method because if it goes out live i don't feel like i have to put so much like production into it i don't have to edit it so much sure um, it's, especially this show has been going great other than the couple times i've uh, um 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 <laughs> you know but even those haven't been too bad but no. um, like this i'll pretty much just Rip the vid. I'll, I'll pull the video off. Um, I'll download the video. Rip the audio. Boom. Done. And the audio version will be good to go. So, awesome. Yeah. Good episode. Good episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Top that, Stephen Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I don't blame him. I don't blame him because like there's not necessarily like a singular topic, which I think in this case definitely makes it easier. Um, yeah. But you know. They do well. Like I, I, it's hard to it's hard to steer a ship when you don't know where you're going. Sure, um, sure. Oh, I love I love the uh, <laughs> Saturday morning dubcast because it, you guys always talk about stuff that uh, I'm just like, oh, I wish I could chime in here because I was a huge Green Ranger fan, and uh, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the, the Jason David Frank stuff. I think that actually showed up on your EMG Radio uh, yep. podcast. Oh, yeah. It's hard. But I was like, Jason David Frank, and I'm like, oh, I can't. Yeah. Exactly, you had the name. Oh, man. And then you guys are like, who is it? Who? What's that guy? Tommy. <laughs> I'm like, he's an MMA fighter. <laughs> uh, open Google, you fools. <laughs> yes, you're on computers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we don't, you know. <laughs> no, I bet you guys are you guys are playing that playing it authentic, so that's that's excellent. <laughs> um, but, well, all right, man. I definitely appreciate um, you taking the time. Like I said, I'd like to do it again. I know you're a busy guy. 
um, we'll have to coordinate something and and do some some more uh, dubcast talking. Excellent. Um, and and then I'll I'll play the outro song, and I'll hit end broadcast, and then the show will be over. I guess I didn't need to announce that to the show, but that's okay. <laughs> have a great All day, right. everybody. It's beautiful outside. Yeah. Oh, it is beautiful. Go, listen to this. Go outside. Put this on your MP3 player and go outside and enjoy the breeze. And yes. thanks for listening. And the outro song will start in a second, I promise. <laughs> <laughs>